You're listening to the New Life Church Podcast, where we are passionate about helping you connect to your God-given purpose. To learn more about New Life Church, including our service times in Canton, Georgia, visit us online at newlifecanton.com. As you know, Pastor Allen has been in a series out of the book of James called Faith That Works. Faith That Works. And so we're taking a pause in the series. He's going to resume that next week. But my mind began to think about examples of, can I give an example today of someone in the scriptures who had real faith that works? And then I began to think about our first Wednesday night. Mary, if you were here at our first Wednesday night worship, Mary gave the devotional and it was about taking our authorities, about spiritual warfare. And that really just set the pace because I need it because this month we've had some real spiritual warfare in my home. Anybody here having some spiritual warfare in your house? I'm glad I'm not the only one. Amen. And so in the midst of all this, God has been reminding me and teaching me new lessons about spiritual warfare and taking our authority. So these two topics, the pastor series and that thought from Mary's devotion, have kind of merged together for this message today on Monday afternoon. If you know pastors like to get their messages at the beginning part of the week, not towards the end. At the beginning part, I said, Lord, why am I supposed to preach and what should I share with our church Monday afternoon, I feel like God dropped this word into my spirit. And then on Tuesday morning, the staff, we gathered in here to pray over all the needs. And we began to share what God was telling us. And I knew right then that this was, in fact, the message that God had laid upon my heart to share with you this morning. So this morning, we're going to look into the book of Daniel. If you've got your Bibles this morning, you can turn there. The book of Daniel, chapter 6. If you've got your Bible apps, you can look there as well, too. Just click on the app. Open that up to Daniel, chapter 6. I'm going to be reading this morning out of the New King James Version. That's the version I've chose for today. So you want to look there. We're going to put it up on the screen as well for you to read as we go along. Let's read the scriptures together this morning. It said, And it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom, and over these three governors of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer No loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, listen to this, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Watch the plot here. So the governors and the satraps, they thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. And all the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree Watch verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day 
and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. He'd been doing this every day. So the king, verse 16, look there. So the king gave the command and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke saying to Daniel, your God whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Would you help me pray this morning? Would you pray with me that God's voice would be heard in the preaching today? I'm very sensitive about the fact that I get an opportunity to preach and represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I don't take that lightly. Pastor Allen does not take that lightly. But I really am been praying this morning that God's voice will be heard in the preaching today, that it be his voice that you hear and not my voice. I'm just a messenger this morning. I'm just a conduit, but I do believe with all my heart that this is a message for our church today. So would you help me pray? Lord, we thank you so much for your many blessings towards us. Lord, I thank you for New Life Church. I thank you, Lord God, for the great things that you're doing among us. I thank you, Lord God, for the fact that we can go to the DR Congo and make a difference. Lord, I'm thankful, Lord God, that we understand and we're learning through this series by Pastor Allen. God, Lord, how to have a real faith. Lord, I know that I know that Daniel was a man of real faith. And Lord, I pray that you would use his story today to teach us your truths. We pray this in the strong and mighty name of Jesus and everyone would say amen and amen. Well, in the book of Daniel, we usually concentrate and look at the emphasis on the revelation and the prophecies and the vision. And oftentimes what we do is we skip over Daniel himself and we miss much about Daniel the person. The central message, if you were to look over the book of Daniel, the central message for the book of Daniel is that the God of Daniel delivers. It's that God conquers. It's that the God of the Bible involves himself in the lives and in the doings of his people. He overcomes evil. And our most high God is superior in strength and power to all challenges. And that is the central message and the theme throughout the book of Daniel when you read it. However, this morning, I want to talk about Daniel the man. I want to talk about who he is. I want us to look at his commitment to God and also take a look at the greatness of his life because Daniel really was a true man of God. He loved God with all of his heart, soul, and strength, which is what we are supposed to do. He endured the most difficult circumstances, and yet he remained faithful and committed to God, and he found the blessing of God, even as the conquered and exiled servant of a foreign power. You know, church, I'm very interested in a guy like that and about what he can teach us about living as overcomers in our troubled and increasingly dark world. How many of you know we are living in a dark world? We are. You would have to be living up under a rock not to know that. But I'm interested in hearing a story about a guy like this who knows how to overcome, aren't you? Let's look at a couple of things this morning as we take a look here at Daniel. First of all, understand that Daniel had nothing to recommend him. Nothing at all. Nothing was going Daniel's way. Not one thing. He was a slave or a servant from a Jewish state that had been completely plowed under. His family, his community, his fellowship, 
his, national, his nation and national background, his language, his culture and laws were obliterated by a conquering enemy. Even his captors renamed him. They changed his original Hebrew name to the Babylonian name Belshazzar. All was gone. Everything was gone except his God. He was a young boy with no control over his life. Basically, he had no rights living in a foreign country as a slave and a servant to a foreign king. Listen to me, church. If there were ever a person who had a real-life excuse to cave into despair and to completely surrender to the life-grinding weight of feeling worthless or feeling like a victim, it was Daniel. If there were ever anybody who understood what it was like to have a suppressed life and have nothing going his way, it was, it was him along with the others who found themselves in the same tragedy. You know, church, it would be understandable if his predicament and feelings and hopelessness for restoration to his family resulted and manifested in Daniel being selfish and in him living by the moral standards of the Babylonian community and even following Babylon's gods or believing in no God or even in blaming the God of Israel. Everything, say everything, everything has been stripped from him. He had nothing. If anybody had an excuse to say, I am nothing, I don't matter. What I do or don't do doesn't matter. How I live doesn't matter. There is no hope. And if there is a God, he doesn't even care about me. If anybody had a reason to say those things and have those excuses, it was Daniel. Daniel could have said any one of those things and been justified to a point Yet Daniel does not think that way. Daniel does not respond that way. He does not sound like a desperate victim who is wallowing in despair. You see, from the earliest mention of Daniel, we see that he makes a commitment to the God of Israel that is steadfast and that is sure. Even in his diet, though he was probably risking his life to do so, he chose to follow the law of Moses. Now, everyone remember, his laws had been wiped out. They'd been plowed under by a conquering Gentile pagan nation. But Daniel said what? Daniel said, I'm going to live the way that God has told me to live no matter what. Whatever God said for me to do, I will do it. No matter what the cost, no matter what the risk is to my life, I'm going to live my faith out. I'm going to be a person who has real faith. And he said that even when he had nothing left, even when there was nothing tangible for him to hold on to. Hear me, church, brothers and sisters, that level of commitment became the cornerstone of his life and God used Daniel's commitment and upon that commitment, God built a life that served God and glorified God. Hello, God. Does everyone see what I'm talking about this morning? Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? We all, every one of us, make choices about life, about how we think, and about how we live, and about what or whom we devote ourselves. And yet so many people devote themselves to themselves. They find their devotion to what they want, 
what they think they need instead of devoting themselves to the Lord. Let me ask you a question this morning. How have you responded? And how do you respond to the negative things that you have experienced in life? How have the misfortunes and the tragedies in life shaped your thinking about yourself and also about your God? Do you see yourself as a victim? You know, maybe you started at a disadvantage and life has never given you a break in regards to your family or money or education, or even opportunities. Maybe you think that things are beyond your control and those things have held you back. They've restricted you. They've kept you from having the type of life that you want. Do you think like? Do you live like the world that you live in? Maybe you think to yourself, if there is a God, if there is, does he know who you are? Does he care about you? Does he watch over you? Is he really supremely powerful? Are you, my question is, is are you a non-committed or maybe you're casual towards him or are you completely devoted to, utterly committed to and passionately sold out to him? And if so, is God using your commitment to him to produce something great? Church, Daniel had nothing going for him except God, except the Lord. And in the height of his misery, Daniel did not deny God, no. He didn't follow the gods of his conquerors. He didn't look at God with a suspicious eye. And Daniel was not casual towards God. Daniel went all in and staked his life on the existence and the benevolence of the all-powerful God of Israel. And if you think about it, church, God is all we got going for us as well. Oh, you're awful quiet today. God is the only thing that you and I have got going for us as well. Whether you have suffered disadvantages or you've enjoyed advantages. Whether your life has been riddled with tragedy or your life has been relatively tragedy free. You can choose. Let me say that again. You can choose to grasp the faith that God gives us to believe and to follow and to serve and to be defined by and depend on and hope in and to enter into eternity with God. You can choose that. Daniel did. That's the choice that Daniel made. We all have the exact same opportunity that Daniel had. And if you completely and totally commit to God, he will use your commitment for good. So make a good choice. Make a good choice. Make the right choice. Make a perfect decision. The second thing that I admire about Daniel is this. He did what he always did. Question how did Daniel's commitment to God play out in his life? How did it play out? This is how, no matter what, Daniel stuck to God. He stuck to his commitment. In good circumstances, Daniel was committed to God. In bad circumstances, Daniel was committed to God above all else as his highest priority. And when Daniel enjoyed the favor of men, he was committed to God. When people and situations were against him, Daniel was first and foremost committed to God. Hear me. Daniel was no Superman. Mm -hmm. 
Daniel was no superman, not so not at all. He just remained committed to God. He was faced with the same choices and the same decisions that we are faced with, and he chose well. Daniel lived out of his commitment to God, and he did so, hear me, consistently. Consistently. In our text, we know that Nebuchadnezzar has come and gone. We know that Nebuchadnezzar's son has come and gone, but yet Daniel is still there. Now the Medes and the Persians rule. Darius is king, and being the king, Darius has a pretty high view of himself. Being human, Darius likes to be applauded and complimented and even sucked up to. Darius decrees a law. We read it this morning. For 30 days, no one is to pray to any man or God except Darius himself. Do you think he thinks real high of himself? Do you think he's a little lofty in his attitude? I do. Watch this. And he makes this decree under the penalty of death. Are you kidding me? And when the law was read publicly... And Daniel learned of it. it. The Bible says that he went to his house. I believe he went to his house immediately and he did what he always did. He put God first and he lived out of his commitment to God and he prayed to the God of Israel. How many of you know who Corey Ten Boom is? I've mentioned her before in preaching. I love her story. Many of you know of her story. I read something about Corey that intrigued me. Corey was the youngest child with three older siblings, two sisters, and a brother. Her father's name was Casper, and he was a jeweler and a watchmaker. Corey and her family lived in the rooms that were above her father's clock shop. Well, one day the Nazis were rolling in with German takes into the streets near where she lived in Amsterdam, Holland. And Corey cried out to the top of her lungs, Oh my goodness, the Nazis are coming. The Nazis are coming. What are we going to do? And her father said, Corey, why do you even ask that? What time is it? Isn't it eight o'clock? Corey, what do we always do at eight o'clock? And she replied, we have devotions. And he looked at her and said, then Corey, go get the Bible and bring it here. How could her father say that? How could her father send it with German tanks rolling in? How could Daniel go home and do what he always did? It's because they made a quality commitment and they had practiced it and they had lived it. Listen to me, church. Before they were in the middle of a crisis. If you missed anything, you've just missed a big point right there. They made the decision before they were in the middle of the crisis. They had time in the spiritual and the emotional wherewithal to get it settled with God. And when his lifelong habit of prayer and worship became contrary to the law of the land, Daniel worshiped like he always did because he had long ago settled the question of his devotion to God. So let me ask you this morning, what do you practice what do you live out of? What do you do in the middle of a crisis? What do you do first and foremost? Do you phone a friend? You're not going to believe what happened to me this week. My life is falling apart. Do you do that? 
There's nothing wrong with talking to your friend, by the way. But should we go to God first? Should we go to the one who controls everything and all the universe and everything within? Should we go to him first? I think so. I think so. That's what we should do. And yet I think many Christians make poor choices that lead to crisis or make poor choices in the middle of a crisis because they have not settled the question of their devotion and what God's, their thoughts and their actions and they've never really practiced it or they've never really lived it out. Now we see in the story that there's an attack on Daniel. There's an attack on him. Well, how did the attack come? Hear me. Satan opposed Daniel. That's where the attack came from. Satan opposed Daniel. And guess what? Satan opposes us. How many of you know that this morning? Some of you are not convinced about that. You don't know the devil like I do. He and I know each other. We're acquainted. He's caused me a lot of heartache. You too, right? Make no mistake about that, church. Satan opposes us. Don't be confused about that. Satan opposes us. He wants us to fail. He seeks your destruction, and he raises up forces and people against us. Daniel has grown to a place of prominence in Babylon. His wisdom and administrative skills are valued and sought after. Prior to the attack, he seems to be lifted up and prospered. His feet are in a broad place. He is second unto the king. But none of it was his. None of it was permanent. And even with all of this, Daniel is still a slave in a foreign country. Darius has everything. He's the emperor of the known world. And Daniel has nothing. Nothing. You almost, you really, you need to compare the differences between these two men. Darius is manipulated by those who are jealous of, who hate, and those who oppose Daniel. Darius is not steadfast in God. He's never settled the question about his devotion to the one true God. If he had been first and foremost devoted to God, if his pride had been crucified on the altar of the living God, then when Daniel's enemies came appealing to the king's ego with such a ridiculous proposal, Darius would have thrown them into the lion's den instead of Daniel. He would have had the wisdom and the foresight to say, "Uh -uh, I don't think so. You're not going to make me make a foolish decision like that. Let's throw you in the lion's den. The problem was, though, he had not settled his devotion to God and practiced it and lived it out. So a law has passed. No prayer to Darius except for 30 days under the penalty of death. But remember, remember, Daniel's habit was what? To pray three times a day at home. Apparently, he had prayed. He left his, when he prayed, he left his windows open so that people could hear, so that passerbys could see. And now, under the penalty of death, it is against the law to pray. But yet, Daniel prays anyway. He prays anyway. Maybe he thinks to himself, Daniel, you know it's against the law to pray. Now, what are you going to do, Daniel? Now, what are you going to do? 
Well, he answered with his life because he said, I'm going to go home and pray with the windows wide open. Let anybody watch. Let anybody listen. I don't care. I am committed to my God. But let me ask you, though, don't you think, though, that Daniel was tempted not to pray? I do, or at least tempted to close the windows before he prayed. I mean, after all, a little compromise greases the skids and helps people to get along, right? I mean, no need to be a nutcase, Daniel. Bend, but don't break. Do you think there was a struggle within him to leave the windows open? I do. I really do. But that was his witness. That was the way he always prayed. And Daniel said, nothing changes. Nothing changes at all. And hear me, church, right now, please. Here's the interesting thing. You don't typically make those kind of decisions in the heat of the battle. You don't make those kind of decisions in the middle of a crisis. You don't do that at all. For example, when the baby dies or when your husband or your wife leaves you or your business fails or you get laid off or your retirement savings are wiped out in a bad economy or in bad investments or your kid is not doing well in life or the doctor gives you really bad news or the government even says it's illegal to follow God. Hear me, church, in those moments, you are undone. Nothing is going your way. And you don't make that kind of decision like he did in the middle of a crisis. Why? Because you don't have time to load the gun when you're on the battlefield being shot at by the enemy who is bearing down on you at breakneck speed. You have got to have your act together before you get there. You have got to have your commitment settled with God before that occurs. Daniel didn't believe in. He didn't rely on the prosperity that he had been enjoying as if he couldn't live without it. He believed in and he relied on God. And when times turned bad, Daniel didn't wallow in and focus on his circumstances with a woe is me attitude. You know people like that? Woe is me. The devil's been on my back. Yeah, he's on your back. He wants to destroy you. Are you kidding me? But your attitude determines your altitude. Your commitment to God ought to speak volumes about you in this moment if you've done your homework before, if you settled your account with God. He was committed to God. Hear me, church. If you have anything else as your primary commitment, then you can be manipulated by the circumstances of your life Here's the choice you make. You can be a Darius or you can be a Daniel, but you can't be both. It is your choice. It's in your power to make that decision. Choose well. You can either be a Darius or be a Daniel, but you cannot be both. I want you to understand something, morning, this mo something important this morning, church. We are in a battle against evil. The world, how many think the world is full of evil? Hello? 
We're in a battle against the world, against the flesh. How many of you know our flesh is just really bad? The heart has been on evil all the time, the scriptures say. You think you're really good? No, your heart's really bad. We battle against the flesh. That's why we're supposed to walk in the spirit, right? But we're in a battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil. We are under attack in this world. Do not lie to yourself about that. You may be playing, but I assure you that Satan is not playing. His goal is to take the place of God, to take the place that God should have in your life and to utterly destroy you. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in the heavenly places. He wants to wipe you out. He wants to destroy you. He's not playing. And we better be serious about our weapons of warfare or we will be exposed and in a vulnerable position. We must fight back. We must put on our armor and we must pray. Pray. Surround and undergird our church. Surround and undergird our ministry. Pray for Pastor Allen. Pray for our leaders' church. Pray for your families. Pray every day. Understand, it's okay for you to come to church on Sundays and Wednesdays and be ministered to and receive, but you have got some responsibilities as well. Your prayers should be a shield around this church. If you think the enemy likes what is happening here, you are clueless. He does not like anything that we're doing. I promise you that. If he can stop it, he would. We need to be praying. Come on, church. We need to be praying and asking God to shield us. And yet we see old Darius. We contrast Darius with Daniel. You know, Darius had everything. He was the ruler of of the known world. Again, he had everything, yet he had nothing. Why? Because he never settled it with God. Think about it. Think about Darius for a moment. His life was filled with, with uncertainty, shakiness, and distress. And on the night that Daniel is thrown into the lion's den, who's up all night pacing the floor? Oh, puffed up one. Darius says, oh God, oh God. I made this silly decree that nobody prays to any other God except for me. What am I? Is he okay? Is he okay? He's the one that's pacing the floor, right? And Daniel, though, Daniel got a good night's sleep, yet it was Daniel who has been plotted against. It's Daniel who's been schemed against. Daniel is thrown into the lion's den, and Daniel rests his head in peace on the very thing that's, desired, that's designed to devour him. And I don't know about you, but I had a mental takeaway, and I thought, I can just see old Daniel. He's laying back on that fat cat, and he's just singing Hakuna Matata. (laughs) I'm not worried about anything. Everything is good with me. That's That's how it's playing out, church. Really, that's how it's playing out here. Daniel rests, and he waits on God. Does this help anybody this morning? Does it help anybody today? The king never wanted to hurt Daniel. Daniel is Darius' friend and associate. The king has been maneuvered into this position because he has never settled it with God. He was full of self and sin. 
and pride. And when Daniel's enemies appealed to the king's ego, he was trapped. The next morning, the king comes running out. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually, has he been able to deliver you? And Daniel's going, what? What'd you say, O king? Daniel, are you okay? That's what I thought you said. Of course I'm okay. I've had a good night's sleep. Question for you, church. How can Daniel have peace? How can he have peace? It's because he has settled his devotion, his commitment to God before he was ever in this predicament. And having done so, now he has peace and deliverance. And here's where I'm going. Because you say, Pastor, what's the next word for me, Pastor JB? Here's my question to you. How should you live? How should you live? Since we are in a battle and since Satan raises up dark forces to oppose us, should we live in terror because of it? No, the answer is no. I am saying, church, that if we, that we better live the way that Daniel lived. We better live on our knees, totally committed, completely surrendered, utterly devoted, and continually serving the living God of Daniel. And when the attacks come, we keep on doing what we've always done. We pray, we seek God, and we worship him, and we put our trust in him, and we keep on doing what we've always done. You keep doing what you know to do. Let anybody watch. Let anybody listen. This is the habit of our lives. This is our testimony. And we are at rest and at peace. And we can be at rest and peace. Even in the middle of a crisis. Because we have been practicing our commitment. And living out of our commitment all along. All along, it's been settled. So how should we live? We should live as life as if we are not for sale. You live your life like you're not for sale. Not at any price, not to any person because we've already been sold out to God. We've already been bought with a precious price. Listen to me, church. We have got to settle this issue before we are in a crisis or we're gonna keep getting picked off one at a time. And I'm sick and tired of losing family members and church members and your friends and my friends because they have not settled their account with God. And you ought to, that ought to mess you up too. You ought to be disturbed by that. I get upset when I see church people all of a sudden just disappear. Just phase on out. Why? It makes me wonder about their commitment. It makes me wonder, do they settle things with God before they got into that crisis that they, that they now found themselves in? Come on, you understand what I'm saying? People who have made a commitment before the crisis comes are steadfast. They keep doing what they've always done. They show up. They're available. They don't run from God. They don't hide from God. They don't run from the pastor because you think, you know what, I'm just a number I can just fit in. Nobody will ever miss me. We miss you. Your presence is needed here. We need prayer warriors. We need people to pull ranks together. When tough times come our way, 
things are out of our control, we aren't just thrown in with the lions. God is right there in the lion's den with us. He's right there with us. He was right there with Daniel the whole time, watching over him. Yet like Daniel, you may have been prosperous, healthy, and enjoying the things that are good. And then the attack came. Then the attack came. Evil comes against you. Then like Daniel, if that has happened to you, you've been attacked, keep on serving God. Continually serve your God. That's when God is most glorified and he is seen as worthy by the people who are watching your life. If you're steadfast and you make a commitment, when people watch you, they say, if they can do that, I can do that too. If they can lose a child in an accident, I can do that too. If they can lose their job and still follow God, I can do that too. See, it's not all about you. It's not all about me. People are watching our commitment. And if we do that, then a new law can be issued, a new law that says from henceforth, nobody prays to anybody except the God of Daniel. Why? Because he's a miracle-working God who delivers with signs and wonders because he is the God who answers prayers. Church, Daniel's God and your God lives. Our God lives. He closes the mouth of lions. He revokes the laws of the Medes and the Persians and he defeats Satan. Now if a backsliding apostate Mede, the king of Babylon, can see Daniel's God by watching Daniel and then issue a proclamation like that, how much more should we be able to see and from this moment on, Trust wholly and fully and totally and solely in God and sell out to him. Everything you have, all you are, all you have, complete surrender and absolute submission. I'm gonna bring this thing in for a landing. Stay with me just for a moment. Do it before the crisis comes. Jesus is everything. Jesus is the best and the only lasting thing we've got going for us. But you know what? He's all we need. He's all we need. Hear me. If you go out into this world with less than Daniel had, you will come home with less than he received. So what's the secret? What's the secret? How does a pre-teenage boy captured in a raid on his country whose family was probably wiped out right in front of him, who was hauled off to a foreign country and stripped of his nation and his laws, his culture, his tradition, his language, his name, and even his future, who has lost everything and whose life is seemingly out of control. How does he hold fast to God? What's the secret? Here it is. It says in verse 3, Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and the satraps because an excellent spirit. Spirit was in him. He made it because he had the Holy Spirit. 
living on the inside of him. And that's how we're going to make it to church. We have got to live lives in the spirit and we'll be better off if we decide now before the attack, before the attack, decide to do this no matter what. This is the equipment with which we live. This is the way that we stand up having to done all and stand. We need the power of God to be able to live holy lives sold out to God. And I ask once, once more, church, have you completely and totally and utterly sold out? Have you sold out to him all the way? Or do you have your foot half in the world and you're just straddling the fence? Fence straddlers don't make it. Fence straddlers get wiped out when the, when the crisis comes and they complain to everybody who will hear it instead of setting their account with God and getting things right. Don't be a fence straddler. Make a decision. Make a firm decision that you're going to live out for him so that, so that when the attacks come, you're okay. Sell out to him. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? If you were challenged and are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever else you find us. To experience other messages, videos, and live events, visit us online at newlifecanton.com. And again, thank you for listening to the New Life Church Podcast.